Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Encounter Church. How are you guys doing today? Good, there's a lot of you, that's so exciting. So my name is Pastor Tori, um, and I am the children's pastor here. Um, and I get the incredible opportunity and privilege this morning to share the word of God. Pastor Chris is actually at the Warrensburg campus today. Um, so he asked me if I would step in. So I'm really excited to get this opportunity. Um, I don't get it very often, but I'm excited when I do. So um, if you don't know me, um, my husband and I have been here since October. Um, my husband is a youth pastor. You just saw him up here and I get to be the kids pastor, um, and we have two little ones. Um, you've probably seen them running around. Seattle's kind of a wild woman, and then we have our sweet baby shepherd who's just precious and perfect and handsome. Um, and so we uh, love being a part of this church. We have been so blessed by you guys, um, and I am just excited to get started today. So we are continuing a series called Fight. So this is talking about moving from fighting with your family to fighting for your family. So there's a huge difference between the two. So last week, Pastor Chris challenged you to speak Jesus over your family, and we sang that song again today, and I just absolutely love it. Speaking Jesus is just so vital to the health of your family. So this week, we are going to be learning about um, the song House of Miracles we sang today. What does your house look like? What is the environment of your home? What does that look like? So in the Bible, there's a story about when Jesus went into the temple, and this is kind of a very popular story about Jesus flipping the tables over. He discovered that the people were buying and selling animals in the temple, and that did not sit very well with Jesus. A place that was supposed to be holy, that was supposed to be um, a place of of prayer and a a place of praise was being a a den of robbers. It says in Matthew 21, 13, it says, My house should be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. See, the problem here is the temple, the house of God, had been perverted to the point that money changers and merchants were set up. They were set up booths in the temple area. The merchants sold sacrificial animals at exuberant prices, and they took advantage of those that traveled long distances. In essence, the temple had become a place of deception rather than a place of God that it should have been. So Jesus stepped on the scene and began to clear out those who perverted the house of God, and he declared it a den of thieves. So I have two questions for you today. The first one is, how would you define your house? How would you define your house? You don't have to shout it out. You don't have to say it. Just in your mind, how would you define your home, your environment that you have in your home? So as I was growing up, a little bit about me, um, I grew up in a home that was a den of thieves, honestly. From whenever I was two to whenever I was 12, my parents and my brother struggled with a meth addiction. So I grew up in a very dysfunctional household as a child. I had a lot of behavior problems because of my dysfunctional family life. My mom and I were in and out of the house. We were trying to find a healthy place to be, but instead we'd end up back in the unhealthy environment. Anybody who's been through that knows how the cycle of that. So I changed schools a lot. I had a lot of, like I said, a lot of behavior issues. So I was taught a lot of unhealthy ways of 
growing a family up. So now as a mom and now as a, as a wife, I have to unlearn those things that I learned as a child. As I remember as a teenager, I'd go to my friend's houses and the, it would be calm and it would be quiet and it, would, it was so weird to me because I was so used to so much dysfunction and so much yelling and just everything that was brought into that house. So Luke, my husband, actually grew up in a completely opposite um, environment than I did. It was kind of wild when we got married because I was, I was one that if we had an argument, I was going to fight it out. We were going to knock down, drag out. It doesn't matter. I'm going to win. Like, it doesn't matter. And Luke grew up in a very different house where they didn't really talk about their problems. They did, but if they did, they did it in private, away from the children, and I never understood that. I'm like, why? Like, that's crazy. Fight about it now. But I see now why they did that, is to protect them. They protected Luke and his sister. So as a kid, I was in the middle of every argument. I was forced to grow up as a little girl. And I don't want that for my kids. So when Luke and I have an argument or an issue, we do our absolute best not to discuss it in front of Seattle and Shepherd. And mom and dad, I would encourage you to do the same. Your kids don't need to grow up when they're kids. They need to be kids. All of this to say, my childhood was a learning experience. And I'm so thankful for it. My family has been clean for over 10 years now. And I have seen God do things in them and in their home. Obviously, they still have issues. I mean, we all do. But my family has come so far because of Jesus. So it is, my, it is what I am called to do for the rest of my life is share what God has done in my life. And that starts in the home. So I had to unlearn everything I've ever known. But until you determine where you are, you will never be able to get to where you desire to go. You have to be able to say, there's an issue and we need to change it. So let me ask, is your home a house of God or is it a den of thieves? Is it a battle ring of dissension? You see, if you truly desire to move from fighting with to fighting for your family, you must come to a place of making the changes that are needed within the four walls of your home. Mom and dad, you have a responsibility to set the atmosphere in your home. That's up to you. And kids, youth students, students in the room, if you are living in your parents' home, you are directed by God to treat your mom and dad with honor and respect. You don't have to agree with everything your parents do. Trust me, I've been there not very long ago. I'm only 25, but um, you don't have to agree with them. But you have to honor them and you have to respect them. So after all, this next verse applies and should be applied to each and every one of us. It says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, there are six things that the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in the family. You see how that ended? A person that sows discord in the family. By the way you respond and ultimately react in your house, have you brought a fostered place of discord or are you honoring the Lord in your home? 
So there are two directives that God has given us. The first is parents must not provoke their children. It says in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Paul told the parents, do not use your authority to abuse. That's verbal, emotional, physical. Don't use your authority to abuse the child, but to encourage them and build them up. And and he wrote to the Colossians, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Parents, we are called to make our house a house of God. And one translation goes to say, if you provoke them, they just might give up. The word provoke is is defined as to deliberately make someone annoyed or angry. Here are some ways that parents can provoke their children and discourage them. Saying one thing and doing another. Always blaming and never praising. Can I tell you as a kid's pastor and someone who was, um, before I was called into ministry, I was actually in school to be an elementary school teacher. Um, And so this is something that's so near and dear to my heart. Can I tell you that what is praise will be repeated? It will, every time. If you're constantly getting on to your kids, telling them what they're doing wrong, telling them that they're not doing things right, I promise you that'll be repeated. But if you're encouraging your kids, if you're saying, I love you and, and you're doing a great job and I'm so proud of you, can I tell you that that builds them up? Encourage your kids by being inconsistent and unfair in your discipline by showing favoritism in your home, by making promises and not keeping them. So the opposite of provoke is to encourage. Christian parents need to follow the example of God. He had the perfect example of this. His lead of love, direction, discipline, and raising our kids to be a productive asset to the world around us. You guys, our world does not need more stuck-up kids in this world. They need to be Jesus followers. They don't need any more parents to be, you know, en- enabling them in their behavior. They need, this world needs your kids, your kids, to grow up and be strong leaders of God. That is what this world needs, and you are the first one to teach them that. So the next thing is children must honor their parents, like we talked about before. In Ephesians 6, 2, it says, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Here, Paul cited the fifth commandment, and it applies to the New Testament believer. So honor means so much more than just obeying. Honor is defined as a showing of of usually merited respect This definition is interesting because it puts a bit of a disclaimer on who's receiving the the respect. Mom and dad, are you living a life of merit? Merited means deserved. Have you taken the time to look at what you're doing to invest in in the relationships with your children? You need to be investing daily in your child's life because who else will? No one else will. Yes, we, you bring them to church, and I love your kiddos, and I love getting to share Jesus with them, but I only get them for an hour every week. You are with them every day. It's up to you to encourage your child, to teach them about Jesus and how much he loves them. So this honor that the child is to give should include obedience, but it, it means so much more than just obedience. It means to show a great respect and to love and to bring honor by the way you live. And this is tough as a teenager. Like I said, I've been there. And so I understand. 
It's also hard whenever the, par the kids think that, you know, they had two out-of-date people trying to teach them how to live, and they're like, oh, I'm too cool for you, and whatever. But kids, you students, your parents are cool, okay? Just, just accept it now. And one day you'll understand why they did what they did and why they acted the way that they did. I promise one day you'll understand. But our responsibility is to trust them and follow their lead. God gave you your parents on purpose. Just like we have Seattle and Shepherd, and how much of an honor that is to be their parents, that God chose us to be their parents. Same with you, you kids. Your parents have been chosen by God to raise you. So it says in, <laughs> this part's really funny. So Pastor Chris threw this part in there. So as society tells us, you know, that we should, um, that kids should have the first say and that parents aren't really important anymore. So it says in false Ephesians 6.1, um, parents obey and appease your children for I will, for this will keep them happy and bring peace to their home. That wasn't me. That was a Pastor Chris thing that he threw in there. So, um, but anyway, it's just a little funny thing. So it's fine. Um, but this is obviously contrary to God's nature. As children, you are to honor mom and dad, and mom and dad, you are to steer in the right, steer them in the right direction. So today, our song states, "This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise." where every demon trembles and where we proclaim your name. So my second question for you is, what environment are you setting in your home? As I talked before, the environment in your home has everything to do with what's being brought into it. Just like my childhood, you know, drug use was brought into my home. That's, that's demonic. That's from Satan. That's, that's a foothold that Satan had in our home. It may not be drugs that you're dealing with. It may be pornography. What you do in private affects your home. What you bring in, what you do behind closed doors, that affects your home. That is a demonic presence that's being brought in. Maybe it's not pornography. Maybe it's something else, an alcohol addiction, whatever it may be. You are bringing that into your home. You cannot expect to have a sinful habit and it not directly affect your family. The atmosphere, the, your soul, how you parent, when Satan has a foothold in something, it brings in what you never intended it to bring in. Just like we say in kids ministry, garbage in, garbage out, right? Whatever you're putting in your mind, whatever you're filling your heart with, it comes out. Whether that's in your parenting, whether that's in your, in your marriage. Gar when you put garbage in your soul and in your mind, garbage comes out. So there's a saying that says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. You have a choice in your household as to what environment you bring for your family. You can bring strife, division, confrontation, or you can choose to bring unity, peace, love, faith. Ultimately, the choice is yours. Truth be told, if we make our house a house of prayer, God will make our house a house of worship and a house of praise, a house of healing. So there's a story in the Bible. Most of you have probably heard it. It's about Paul and Silas. And a little backstory to this to where I'm getting to. 
Paul and Silas were on their way to prayer, is what scripture said, when they met a slave girl who had a spirit that helped her predict the future. She made a huge profit for her owners by fortune telling. But Paul and Silas met her and they casted out the demon that was in her. When the owners realized that she could no longer make them a prophet, Paul and Silas were thrown into jail. And I tell you this because Paul and Silas were obedient to what God had asked them to do, yet they were persecuted for it. They could have been so mad at God. And this story definitely shows us that when we do what God calls us to do, not everyone's going to like us. Not everybody's going to agree. But we have to stay the course because that's what God has called us to do. But that's for another sermon. So, Paul and Silas, they could have been bitter. They could have been upset. They could have been mad at God. But they decided to be positive and they decided to praise God even, the, even in the middle of being persecuted. So it says in Acts 16, 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So our song goes on to say, come alive in the name of Jesus. And that is exactly what Paul and Silas chose to do in their situation. They could have added to the negative situation. They could have, you know, been mad at God. They could have said, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, do what I have to do to get out of here. But instead, they decided to praise. They could have torn down those around them. But they chose to breathe life into the situation. So I wonder, what are you speaking over your family the Bible tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death. Are you speaking life or are you speaking death over your family? Are you speaking life or are you speaking death into your home? So there's two instructions that Jesus gives us. The first one is to bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Whatever that looks like for you, if you're struggling with something, if you're going through something, if you are at your wit's end with your family or with your children, bring it to the feet of Jesus. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And the Psalm thirty four seventeen says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help, and he rescues them from all of their troubles. Jesus is ready to bring about an atmosphere of change, but we must be willing to walk to that to bring in the change. It's up to us. Many of us want change, but it's kind of like wanting the house to cool down when it's summer and not turning on the AC, and it doesn't work very well. We're not allowing the air conditioner to function as designed. And the same goes for God. If we're breeding strife and dissension and arguments, we are fighting against the atmosphere that God wants to bring into our family. It is time to close the windows of strife and bring in peace and love that only God can supply. So like I said, is there something that you're struggling with? Is there something that you're going through that is causing strife in your home? Bring it to the feet of Jesus. We have a Savior.
here who is willing and ready and able to make a change in our hearts. He is the healer. He is the one who makes our messes into victories. And he has a plan and a purpose more than we could ever ask or imagine. So come expecting God to do big things. Maybe you say, I tried before. It's just, it's so overwhelming. I just get so aggravated. And the problem is, you're probably trying to do it on your own. Your house will never cool down by just opening or by just by closing the doors. You must set the thermostat and let the air conditioner do what it's designed to do. And the same goes for your family. You must come to a place of closing the window of fighting and begin to allow God to bring about a change in your home. Luke 18, 27 says, for what is impossible for people is possible for God. Your family is worth it. Your kids deserve a healthy environment to grow up in. They need a healthy parent in their life. They need a healthy home to grow up in. Like I said before, your kids don't need to grow up at age eight. They don't need to hear what mom and dad are fighting about. They don't need to know if the water bill is gonna be paid. They don't need to know those things. They need to be kids. Let them be kids. So if that's you, you need, you need to seek the help you need. If you're going through something, if you're struggling, if you need help, call out to Jesus. Find one of us pastors. We would love to walk through that with you. We aren't meant to do life alone. Parenting's hard. We've only been doing it for almost three years, but it's, you know, toddlers, let me tell you. They're a lot. And it's hard, but I have such a good group around me that helps me with things. And you need to find those people in your life that can help you walk through some of the hard things in life. Because your soul health and your kids need you to be healthy. God is working on your behalf, so let him work on the hidden parts of your soul. He already knows everything anyway. Allow him to walk with you through that to fix it. Fix your eyes on Jesus today. So our song goes on to say, I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. I still believe you're working. I fix my eyes on heaven. I receive your vision. And God, I believe you're working all things for good. Will you declare that over your family today? It is time to bring about a shift in the atmosphere and watch God do what only he can do. God has more for you and he has more for your family. And that begins in you. Your kids, again, aren't going to learn it from anywhere else. You are the first one they see. You are the one that, that, they are, that you are modeling how to live. It's you. It's no one else. It's no one else's responsibility but yours. And God has you and your kids in the palm of his hand. How, how encouraging is that? That we don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to be the perfect parents. We, we make mistakes, but God is there. He fills 
of the cracks that we can't do. And God loves you and he loves your kids and he's given them to you on purpose. It is an honor and it is a blessing to be a parent. And if you're not a parent in the room, just take notes because you, hopefully you will be someday. So, but I, I, I know that God has more for you and for your family. So we're gonna open the altars up. And if you need prayer for your family, if you need prayer for your parenting, if you need prayer for something that you're dealing with in private that you need healing from, there's people here that want to pray with you. There's people here that want to meet you where you are and, and pray and say that we believe God is going to heal you, is going to heal your family. We believe that, that strong families are possible, but we can only do that with God's help. So if my prayer partners could come up front, we're just going to spend some time in prayer if you need that. Find one of the prayer partners. They would love to pray with you. So if we all want to bow our heads, I'll just pray over you, and then you can find your prayer partner. God, we just thank you for today. God, I pray that you just begin to touch families, begin to touch the hearts of those in here whether they're parents, whether they're um, single, whatever it may be, God, that, that they have parents that, that, that you have given them. God, whatever the family situation looks like, if it's broken, if it's hurting, God, I pray that you start to, be, to bring healing into that, into their homes. So God, I just pray that as we sing this song, that you would begin to just move. Do what only you can do, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.